You are listening to Inspired Caring with Michelle Magner, episode number 146. Hello, welcome to Inspired Caring. I'm your host, Michelle Magner. If you are caring for an older family member, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I bring insight, tips, inspiration, and strategies to help you care for the people that you love without losing yourself along the way. Having cared for both of my grandmothers, I've helped manage everything from hospital stays, households full of belongings, to navigating senior living and end-of-life care. And I've worked in senior living as a result of that experience, serving my residents and their families as they've been on this journey too. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Inspired Caring. I am very pleased to welcome Candace to the podcast. Candace is family caregiver who has started. What is it that you have started a, a podcast? What are you doing with our FTD journey? Uh, so it's a blog. Uh, at some point, I do plan to make it an LLC, but I don't. I can't do that just yet. I started that around. I guess 2014, 2015, uh, actually was kind of sort of my mom's idea. She told me that she wanted to work on something with me. So I was like, all right, cool. I was like, what do you want to do? And she, I started just tossing ideas out to her. I was like, well, how about if I just like take a bunch of pictures, a bunch of videos and, you know, post them online and share with people, you know, what day-to-day life is like and what you go through and everything like that. So she was like, okay. So she was diagnosed without 2013. So, and, and her her language skills were already starting to dissolve. So, mm-hmm. you know. But she knew that she wanted to work on something with me, and I thought it would be kind of kind of cool. Also, you know, uh, when she first got diagnosed with FTD and I was trying to learn stuff about it, 2013, there was really nothing out there you know, online. I also wanted to be somebody that could help other people go through, you know, what we go through. And I wish I'd had somebody like me to talk to when I was just starting out. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. My mother-in-law was diagnosed with frontal temporal dementia or FTD in 2016. And I felt like Alzheimer's was um, the, the dementia that people mostly talked about. And so it felt really confusing when they said that wasn't what she had. Like we just sort of assumed that that's what we were facing. What were some of the things leading up to your mom's diagnosis? Like what were some of the things that you all were noticing or she was noticing? Uh, there were some behavioral issues, uh, aggression. See, the thing is, um, my mom, when I when I was growing up, was bipolar. So I thought it was just, you know, maybe she wasn't taking her meds anymore or that the bipolar was getting worse. And so um, she had a few car accidents within a short span of time. Her language skills were changing. She was having difficulty reading and writing. Mm. Um, it was just, it was, it was different. 
I think the aggression, though, like, I almost walked away from her because I was just like, oh, man, you're being toxic again. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. And, but then when I was seeing that she was genuinely having memory loss, because we were having arguments now, but like, why are you lying to me about this, that, you know, whatnot? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not lying, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, bipolar, you know? Um, but when I saw that, that she, yeah, she was saying that she wasn't lying about, like, she would say, oh, we'll go out, I'll come get you, you know, whatever. And she wouldn't come, and she'd be like, I forgot. I'm like, we just talked about yesterday, how'd you forget, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of changes in her that I saw, and I, um, and it took a while to get a diagnosis. She she had a psychiatrist at the time. And the psychiatrist was, you know, trying to tweak her meds, you know, try different things. And nothing seemed to be working. So she, the psychiatrist suggested that she go see a doctor about, you know, what was going on with her. And that started the process but it took a couple or few years to get diagnosed so the psychiatrist was managing her bipolar disorder and so the effort was to tweak the medicines it sounds like to mitigate the behaviors that were happening as a result of the frontal temporal dementia mm-hmm. what kind of testing did they do for her do you it's been a while yet but do you remember what kind of tests they put her through you know the uh, the clock test, mm-hmm. the counting money, um, a lot of different things like that. And when she, when the diagnosis came, did what was like the sentiment with your family, or how did what was how did people receive it? Well, when I first heard about it myself, I was shocked that cried for three months straight because mm. I'm like there's my mom was only 57 when she was diagnosed and I'm just like there's no way that my young mother first of all what's FTD and how is it possible my young mother has dementia like it just didn't make sense to me right and my family did the typical oh we're here when you us, you know, let just let us know what you need, and that didn't last long. Uh, everybody quickly dissipated. So. Like I don't think people maybe realize the stamina that it was going to be required because FTD, I think, has for my mother-in-law anyway. I think we were managing symptoms for twelve years. Yeah, we're um ten years deep with my mom. October first will make eleven years. It's just a marathon. It's insane. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's been 10 years. And then other days, it's like, yep, I'm feeling every day of it, every hour of it. What are some of the things that she needs help with at this point? Everything. Everything? Yeah, she's total care now. And is she in your home or is she in a memory care community? She's home. She's home. Yeah. She, the one thing she made sure, oh, well, she's told me pretty much all my life, is that she never wanted to go to a facility. That's an interesting statement when you don't know what the future looks like. 
I agree. I agree. Because you you find your friends and or family or whomever to this agreement of keeping you home. But and I'm not opposed to keeping her home. I want to keep her home. I I enjoy taking care of her. You know. I mean, obviously, there are some parts of the job that are not fun. But for the most part, I like taking care of her and having her at home. Mm-hmm. But to say never put me in a facility when you don't know, like, anything can happen. In this case, it was dementia. Mm-hmm. I think people need to be very careful about the promises they have their families. And a lot of people make those promises under the circumstances at the time and things change. And like you said, you don't know the future, things evolve and yeah. it's hard to predict. It is. It's not like you've got a crystal ball in front of you saying, okay, well, all right. So you're only going to be, you know, older person who needs a little bit of help. Okay. You know. I mean, you know, accidents happen, things happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and your life as the caregiver can change dramatically and drastically too. And your own health can change. I think that's what I have experienced over time is that so often when people have made a promise like that, um, it's the caregiver's health that is declining, that precipitates needing to make some sort of change with how things are being handled. Right, because, you know, the people who are sick are not usually always the ones who go first. Right. Um, You know, I've had my own health battles. In 2019, I survived a bilateral battle pulmonary embolism. Oh, my gosh. And I had a deep vein thrombosis in my knee behind my knee, which required, obviously, hospital stay and catheterization at 44 years old. Hmm. And then in 2022, I survived double lung pneumonia and I've been on oxygen since. And But I think I'm finally leaning off of it, so that's a good thing. Um, I also had Gallbladder surgery in 22, which, which, which was really rough. They gave me too much anesthesia, and they had a hard time waking me up. Oh, my gosh. And also in 22, I had oral surgery for um, a tooth abscess that tried to kill me two different ways. Broke a toe in 22. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, 22 was a rough year. Yeah, you kind of want to write that year off. How do you keep going? How, like, what is motivating you? What? How do you keep showing up every day? Uh, I mean, I have to. Yeah. I mean, I want to, obviously. Right? I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want to. Right. But... When you have to, you just find a way to push through. 
when you were having all of those health experiences and episodes, how, what, how did care for your mom get managed? What happened? So there was someone else that was around and available yeah. to help her. Yeah. What do you think the future holds? For her or me? For you. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess I just keep doing what I'm doing with the blog and, you know, trying to help other people. So the blog, is it primarily through LinkedIn or are there other platforms where people can watch the videos? So it's the um the actual blog ourfpdjourney.com. Okay. Actual actual website, and then um we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh TikTok. I did build a Pinterest page, but I haven't really used it. Uh, and we also have merch uh on Etsy. And I'm building, I'm actually building another merch store. So what types of things are you sharing within the blog? Like what can people expect when they're following you on your platforms? Um, I talk about grief and, you know, day-to-day -day life. Uh, like one of my blog posts is something like, things not to say to me when my mom dies. You know, because people say the most ridiculous things, you know, like, Oh, you you got an angel, you know, or everything happens for a reason. So, like, don't say that. You know, I think, you know, people say things out of not knowing what to say, but sometimes just being present. Just, you know. Yeah, we don't have to fill all the space with words. Right. Exactly. So it sounds like when people connect with you, they're going to be on this journey with you. So hearing about day-to-day -day experiences, what's going on, how you're handling things, how you're feeling. Yeah. I think people are very responsive to videos too. And it seems like you have an abundance of those. And that's the thing. Like when you're a caregiver, isolation comes fast. And you know, when we were going through that COVID period in 2020, and I would hear two people complain, oh, I'm so lonely, oh, by myself, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I would say to people, man, this is a piece of cake for me. And I've been isolated way longer before this started, you know. And it, mm -hmm. it kind of was, like, funny yet sad to me, the way people were reacting to for them, I, I knew that for them, it was going to be a temporary situation. We would go through it, and then we would get through it, and everybody would go back to their lives. Mm -hmm. But caregivers, you know, we were isolated before, and we're still isolated now. And that's, and I think what you said about building community, that, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm trying to build a community. I want, you know, eventually I, I might do like some support groups too. What would you say to somebody else who's struggling right now? What would you like to say to them? Take it moment by moment. Um, don't strive for perfection because you're never going to have a perfect day. You'll have a good day, you know. Um, but you're not, I don't think, I'm not sure I've ever had like a perfect day. Um, mm. Do your best and 
just be present for them. Be compassionate, be empathetic. I wish I could say it gets better. It doesn't necessarily get better. You just learn how to cope. Hmm. What are some of your coping mechanisms that you find helpful? I like to go for drives. Yeah. I'm that crazy person in the car with the music blasting, you know, with the windows partially rolled down, singing, or sitting at the lake, you know, just watching the water, you know. But it sounds like it's uh, you're carving out those moments for yourself to decompress. Yeah, I don't get very many of them, but yeah, I, I do try to make sure that I go for a good solo drive every now and again. It's great. You know, don't give up. Um, and, um, I am available if anybody wants to email us. Uh, our email is ourjourney at ourfbjourney.com. Let's support each other. So we were talking about how with this disease process, things will change. And sometimes things that were hard to do at one point, like bathing, at eventually won't be so hard anymore. My mom's not combative like she used to be before. She used to really fight you on stuff. And now she's just a lot more docile, a lot more calm. Uh, the one thing, the one thing that I had to learn is that everything is a phase. Mm. So nothing that we go through lasts forever. So she used to be super combative. She would yell, kick, scream, punch, slap. I mean, I've, I've been through it. She doesn't do it anymore, like, cause she doesn't have the energy anymore. She still cusses. That that has never left her. Even though she doesn't have very many words left in her, she still will cuss, you know. Like when the aide came one time and she went to bathe my mom, my mom like, fuck. And I'm just like, whoa. Oh, you still know that word, huh? You know? So that's that. And that was her favorite word when she was a lot more verbal was, you know, just saying fuck. And my grandmother would be here and I'd be like, oh, no. Oh. But yeah, so, uh, but you know, most things is a phase and I have learned to don't get comfortable because just when I thought I had things settled and stable, here comes something else. Mm. So you always have something else to look forward to. And she, I, I learned with her to be extremely hypervigilant and a lot of preventive stuff. So if I saw something changing, I was hypervigilant enough to say, okay, this is, this is changing, and let me get ahead of this as best as I can. And you're not going to be able to get ahead of everything, but there are some things that, you know, like when it comes to safety, you know, different things like that. But it sounds like you were really observant and you were dialing in that things were shifting. And you had a lot of compassion for her and proactive, like you were trying to be proactive on how to set both of you up for success. Yeah, well, I became, I guess, somewhat of an expert at reading her body language. Interesting. So when it came to, you know, toilet issues and she was starting to have trouble, 
then I would start reading her body language, okay? She's jumping up around like a little kid. Okay, maybe she's got to go to the bathroom. Or she's, you know, holding herself. Maybe I need to, you know, get her to the bathroom. She's doing the pee-pee dance, okay? You know, she's making these sounds, you know, so eventually I just started to pick up on them. So you were able to track the patterns and then implement, do something about it. Yeah, it's just like when she was hungry, I could always tell when she was hungry because she would start, she, you know, she had this oral fixation. I always had to have stuff in her mouth, always chewing or something. So I would, you know, what I would do is she had gotten to a point where she wouldn't sit at the dinner table anymore. So what I would do is I would take a plate and put like a bunch of fruit in the sandwich and different things like that. And she would walk around and pick, you know, up whatever she wanted and start eating. So eventually when she couldn't eat a sandwich like, you know, hold a regular sandwich the way the way we do, I would cut it up for her. And then mm-hmm. so she would just pick up a piece of sandwich, you know, or some fruit or whatever. I had got these um, plates that stick to the counter or to the table because she had started to would walk around her plate and then she would drop food. And I'm like, yeah, I'm tired of picking up food. So I would get these plates that actually stuck, they were rubber, would stick to the table. She couldn't pick up, you know, put, pick up the plate. She would just pick up the food. So I just, you know, one thing that I would encourage everybody is to start reading the body language because behavior is communication. So when you see your loved one is acting a certain way, then you kind of have to turn into this detective. And, you know, body language is going to change over time. But as you learn the patterns and as you learn, you know, that there are some things that are just going to remain. So really, it also is expectation management. So as you're picking up the patterns of their body language, you're dialing into what they are able to do and not do, you are adjusting your own expectations. I love that example of the plate that you had that sticks to the table mm-hmm. instead of expecting that her behavior to change or her to do something differently. You did something differently. Oh yeah. Work smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. It's so yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like my mom, she, I could always tell when she was bored because she would go to the door. She'd want to go outside. You know, so I I had gotten to a pattern where I would take her and her dog for a ride every day for, you know, at least once or twice a day. We would go out and go for a ride. It entertained them and it also wore them out. So, you know, and then once I noticed that my mom was having issues, like she had gone through um, this pattern where uh, she would try to get out of the car with the vehicle running. So I would put her in the back seat and with the child protective lock so she couldn't do that. Um, also, when I noticed that she was starting to have toilet issues, I put a mattress cover on my on my seat and in my truck. Because I'm like, well, she has any accident. At least the mattress cover is big enough that it covers the seat and the floor. Oh and, That's so smart. Right? <laughs> and... <laughs> And I also would carry around a backpack with me. So, you know, when I was out with her, it's kind of like a diaper bag, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, best way to explain it. But, yeah, so, you know, it's all about reading their signals. Because once you learn their signals, then, you know, then you usually will know how, how, you know, what their needs are and how to deal with it. Sundowning. Oh, my God. Sundowning. 
yeah, let's talk about sundowning. How, how, or what are some of the techniques you do to manage that? So what I learned with sundowning is environment matters. So when she, she, she was during the day would like to watch her shows, her talk shows and uh, different things like that. But what I also learned is that she didn't really like things very loud. Mm. So when it got to about noon, maybe, I would keep things real soft mm. and quiet peaceful. And I would make sure that, you know, the lights were soft or, you know, wherever she needed them that day. And it made sundowning a lot easier because I had prepared for it ahead of time. If that makes sense. Yes. Uh, now, some people aren't always that lucky because sometimes you just don't know. But when I would see her starting to go into that, I'd be like, okay, it's time to turn the lights down. Time to relax. Let me, let me go fix her dinner, you know, things like that. And she used to shadow me which basically just means following me all over the house. So mm -hmm. I would take advantage of that. You know, I would, instead of getting upset with her for following me all over the house, I thought, I know where you're at. You're right here with me. <laughs> so I'm going to take you into the kitchen with me while I cook, and I'm going to sit my tablet in front of you and let you watch whatever you want while I'm cooking. And it works. Oh, my gosh, that's so wise. Like, to shift your thoughts about the situation. To yeah, at first I used to get kind of ticked off about her following me because I used to say, why are you following me? Stop following me. And she, she would laugh. She'd be like, no. And I was just like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I'm like, but you know what? As long as she's following me around, I know where she's at. Right. I don't have to worry about what she's into. And I don't have to worry about crash boom while I'm in the kitchen, you know, fixing dinner or washing dishes or whatever. She's right there. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I I took advantage of everything that I could. You know, okay, so you want to follow me? Okay, fine. You can come out back with me. You can, you know, go in the kitchen with me. You know, you can, whatever. Yeah, I just, uh, I just try to work with what I, you know, with what I was given. Yeah. Does she enjoy music? She does. I have headphones for her. I started putting headphones on for her and using Pandora. And she used to walk around the house and dance. But now that she's not as mobile as she used to be, you know, she she has this recliner that she likes to sit in, so I'll put her headphones on her sometimes. But she has a lot of jerky movements and stuff anymore, so sometimes the headphones don't always stay on. So what I'll do is I'll go to YouTube and put music on the TV for her. My mother had that as well, like involuntary jerky type movements. Yeah, I don't really know if it's like a Parkinsonism or if it's what they also call uh, cortical basal degeneration. Because hmm. yeah. cortical basal degeneration is uh, involuntary movement, but I, I think you can't really diagnose that until autopsy. And at least for us, we just got to the point where we weren't looking for more diagnoses. Like we, we kind of knew where she was at and we're just managing day by day 
how she was doing. Yeah. Uh, how do you take care of yourself besides the drives? Like what else are you doing? Do you have anything else throughout your day that you weave in or? Um, I find writing the blog therapeutic at times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes painful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Occasional journaling, I suppose. Right now, I'm working on the merch lines, and it's kind of fun trying to design different things and figure out what people will buy and what they won't. Um, designing stuff, you know, it's kind of fun. I have a certification in graphic art, so it's kind of fun. Creative outlets. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a creative. Well, this was amazing. Oh, thank you for being willing to come on and just share some wisdom and strategies with people. Um, I try to give a lot of gems because it's tough out there. It is tough out there. And the numbers are a little daunting about kind of the trajectory of these different disease states. I just redid my certified dementia practitioner certification. So when I like first took it years ago, they, they were saying we have over 80 disease states that cause a symptom of dementia. And now they're saying hundred plus. So, yeah. I probably will do a, uh, certification orientation or something like that. This, so because I'm a family caregiver and I'm not a professional. I, I'm a professional on my day-to-day -day life and my mom, right? But yeah. I've never worked like, you know, in the field. Although I've been told by several people, hey, you've got a lot of hands-on experience. And I'm like, yeah, when this is over, I'm done. But I, I just want to add a little bit more credibility. It's nice to have the letters, um, you have all the credibility, like you, the, the experience is way beyond what some letters can give somebody. So, yeah, you know, people are always like, well, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to continue caregiving when it's over? And I'm like, yeah, first, you know, once my mom dies, I, I want to get to the grief and, and then we'll figure it out. You know, but people mm. are always so, you know, to say what's next. So I'm like, ah, I, it's, I can't think beyond tomorrow. <laughs> right. Or today, dinner. Like, I cannot think beyond tonight. I have no idea what tonight's going to bring. Yeah, it's always interesting when people are like, you know, what are you going to do next? I'm just like, yeah. When my mom dies, cry. <laughs> yeah. Grieve. <laughs> Grieve. I don't know what else you want me to say. You know what I mean? I've been doing this now. I've pretty much been a caregiver for my mom all my life. I mean, bipolar, you know, yeah, and all kinds of craziness that comes, you know, chaos that comes with bipolar. But, you know, anytime I've taken care of my mom when I was younger, it was temporary. And she would get better for a little while because, you know, her medications got adjusted or, you know, she's taking it again, <laughs> you know, um, things like that. But this is a whole other ball game, you know. My mom even had a car accident once in '99, near fatal car accident. Oh my gosh! And you know, she 
came through it, and she was fine. She had a lot of surgeries and everything, but she recovered. Mm-hmm. But this is different. This is no matter how well I take care of her, no matter how much I love her, no matter what I do to her, no matter, no matter, no matter, there's still going to be one end result. Yeah, there's no recovering. There's no getting better. No. There's no surviving. I mean, look, we're all going to die one day anyway, right? But mm-hmm. I don't think any of, any of us see a future like this for ourselves. And certainly not young. And it, the sad part is I've heard people as young as like 20 years old with dementia. And that's obviously an extreme case. Uh, but dementia uh, does not discriminate. You know, I I learned that the hard way. You know, I mean, my mom was 19 when she had me, and I never for a second thought that I would be losing her so soon in my life, Hmm. especially when one of her dreams was to have, you know, grandchildren. I don't have kids yet, and she'll never get to meet her grandkids. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. And you don't know it until it happens. Yeah, that's right. Thank it's, you uh, yeah. for coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. I, I definitely enjoy it. I hope we can stay connected. And I'm definitely going to put all of your contact information in the show notes so people can get connected with you. So you can continue to build out your community to support people. I think it's important for people to share the real stories about what's really happening. Especially with STD, because it's still, even in 24, it's still not as talked about as it should be. One of my goals is to push this to the forefront, like Alzheimer's. When I first started looking for information on STD, I, I, all the stuff I kept finding was old topics. Uh, I'd find little things here and there about Lewy body, would hardly find anything about vascular dementia, and STD was even less information, especially now that Bruce Willis got that diagnosis. Yes. I can't say I'm surprised. I, I kind of expected it. When they first said that he was diagnosed with aphasia, I said, yep, I know what's next. I knew it. I just you... knew it because that's the way my mom started. Wow. So, but I'm not even noticing that his diagnosis has, I mean, I, I thought his diagnosis would push things to the forefront a little bit more, but man, I don't I don't really notice that right now. Maybe my mom and I will be the one to put things out there a little bit more. Yeah, it's your, your mission. That is my mission to mm-hmm. bring this to the forefront and let people know that this is good. This can happen to you, any person, any time. Doesn't matter. Thank you, Candace. You're welcome. I look forward to staying in touch. I look forward to it too. What I know for sure is that things are going fine until they're not. Everyone wants to stay in their home for as long as possible. And then there's a fall or a hospital stay or clear signs of dementia or a diagnosis and remaining at home becomes questionable 
or potentially impossible, it is super important that you are informed about what assisted living and nursing home care can offer and understand how to choose the one that will best fit the needs of your family. I know from personal and professional experience what objections are going to come up and how to navigate those conversations. You love your family member and you are doing a great job. It just feels like the situation is fragile. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop and you don't know what you don't know. Illuminating Senior Living answers all of your questions and walks you through step by step each common objection and frequently asked question. This course will save you so much time and heartache. Imagine knowing exactly when it's time to move and ensuring the care and safety of your family member. Imagine knowing what specifically to be looking for in a care community and how to have the conversations about moving. Illuminating Senior Living gives you the roadmap so you're prepared. Click the link in the show notes, Illuminating Senior Living, to secure your video course today.